All right, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Esther chapter 7. Esther chapter number 7. Esther chapter 7, we're going to work through the whole chapter this evening. Um, but the, uh, the day that Haman woke up early to ask for Mordecai's head, he didn't wake up expecting that he would be utterly humiliated in front of the whole city. And he was humiliated, as we saw, because of his pride. He thought that the king and queen wanted to honor him. He thought that this banquet was all about him and making sure he was recognized. But the truth uh, was that this was for um, Esther had set these banquets to deliver the truth to uh, the king, Ahasuerus. And Mordecai would be the one getting praise instead of Haman uh, at the end of this day. And so because of his pride, he had a great downfall. He let pride fill his mind. And his pride swelled up in his mind like a, a balloon. And it was popped. And uh, we saw Haman crying to his wife and friends. Um, Haman's pride left him pitiful and humiliated. And so in our own life, we need to be aware of letting pride into our hearts and our minds. Our pride will leave us like Haman, crying and disappointed because it didn't deliver on its promises. Pride promises a lot of things to us, uh, but it never delivers on those promises. And so we need to be careful of pride. So that's where we left off in the story last week. Tonight we're going to see how God avenges Esther and Mordecai and the Jewish people. God takes care of wicked Haman in an epic way. And this is a, there's a lot of irony in this part of the story. This is the climax of the story. This is where the great enemy of Esther and Mordecai are, uh, is defeated. Uh, and, and brought down, and this is where the hero and the heroine come out victorious, but all because of the Lord and because of God's hand. Uh, when I was growing up, my brother and I, we'd watch uh, hour-long marathons of Tom and Jerry. Um, probably one of my favorite cartoons is Tom and Jerry, and uh, it's still a classic. Uh, we'd also watch The Roadrunner, and uh, if you have seen those yourself, you know how Tom would always set traps for Jerry, and they would be elaborate, and um, he, he would spend a lot of time setting these up, and they would only come back to hurt Tom himself instead of Jerry, or the same with Wiley Coyote. Uh, he would have a box of dynamite set up for a roadrunner, but it would be Wiley Coyote that would be the one that gets blown up by his own traps. Uh, every time he, he would set a trap for roadrunner, it would be him getting hurt. During times of war, some incredible inventions are made that have an impact uh, that changed the world. And one of those inventions during World War II, uh, just before World War II, rather, was the radar. Um, uh, the invention of radar. It was invented by a Scottish man named Robert Watson Watt, and he was later knighted for his uh, work in the military with his radar technology. He actually received a reward for $140,000, and that was the largest sum ever rewarded during, uh, for a wartime invention. And following the war, though, uh, Robert, he was driving in Canada, and he was pulled over by a police officer who used his radar technology to write him a ticket uh, for the invention that he had made or for speeding, and he was caught with the invention that he had made. And he actually 
realized the irony of this situation, and uh, Robert wrote a poem about this incident. It says this, Pity Sir Robert Watson Watt, strange target of his radar plot, and thus with others I could mention a victim of his own invention. Uh, just like Wiley, Coyote, Tom, Robert, Haman joins their ranks as somebody who is caught by his own device, caught by his own trap, uh, who had spent time thinking about uh, and devising a plan to bring about the ruin of Mordecai, only to find himself hanging on his own devices, his own trap. The Bible says this about the wicked and their devices that they plot against others. In Proverbs 26, 27, the Bible says this, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. The idea of digging a pit or rolling a stone is the idea of setting a trap for something or for somebody. The Viet Cong in the Vietnam War were notorious for setting booby traps during the war. When I lived in Alaska, we had an older gentleman there who visited the church a few times. He was a friend of my, uh, my friend's dad, and he was a Vietnam veteran. He was a short person, uh, but his job during the war was to be what was called a tunnel rat. Uh, they would use those who were shorter, smaller, and because the Viet Cong were smaller and shorter than Americans generally, and they would go into the tunnels that the Viet Cong had dug, and inside those tunnels, the Viet Cong had set traps along the way as a safety mechanism, as a barrier to prevent the American troops from entering where their uh, headquarters were, where, where they would operate. And so they would capture Viet Cong soldiers and send them, send them in, in front of the American soldiers to hopefully uh, catch these traps before it killed the Americans. And that was his job. Uh, and they, they would... They would use them to set off these, these traps. Haman's trap, his gallows, is going to be used against him. We saw in chapter 5, his wife and his friends encouraged Haman to build these gallows, uh, to set them up so that Mordecai would be, could be hanged on them. Uh, and it is God who gets the revenge against Haman for Esther and Mordecai. It's God who avenges his people. He takes, God takes care of his people because God keeps His promises to His people, we serve a faithful God who keeps His promises to us. In our own life, um, I want us to be reminded this evening that we don't need to seek revenge for ourselves. We don't need to avenge ourselves. We don't need to set traps uh, to catch others who seek our harm. We can trust in the Lord, and we can see that the Lord will bring to naught, will uh, bring down the devices of, of the wicked, of those who seek to bring us harm and bring us hurt in our life. We can trust God in those situations and in those instances. We can look to the Lord to handle and deal with and take care of the evil that is leveled against us in our life. We can trust Him. Let's go ahead and pray, though, and we're going to look at uh, Esther chapter 7. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given us, and I thank you for uh, your word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that I have to preach your word. And Lord, I don't uh, deserve to be able to preach it, but I just thank you for this privilege. And God, I ask that you would help me this evening um, to set aside distracting thoughts. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in the service this evening. Um, Lord, we need your help this evening. And 
and we need your encouragement from your word. I just ask that you would use this, that you would help me, Lord, to be emptied of self and to be filled with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do this evening, and that's to speak to our hearts. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at Esther's request in verses 1 through 4. Esther's request. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther, the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. You might remember in the previous chapter, Haman had been whisked away uh, to this second banquet right in the middle of his humiliation and his crying before his wife and his friends. He didn't have time to mourn the ruin of his own pride. And he's carried away to this banquet with Esther and with the king. And this banquet is now taking place. And Esther is finally able to ask and bring her petition to the king. She's finally able to reveal to the king the thing that she desires the most, which is the deliverance of her people. And we see that she first seeks the favor of the king. She comes to the king in humility, uh, seeking his favor and, and making sure she's doing what's pleasing to him. Again, this is not something small that Esther is about to ask for. She's about to ask for Ahasuerus to um, do away with this law that has been passed, to overturn a law that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, cannot be done. And so we see her, humili uh, her, her humility in this passage, which is in stark contrast to the pride of Haman. But she asks if she has found favor in the sight of the king, if it pleases the king, that she would spare not only her life, but the life of her people, the Jewish people. She tells the king that they have been sold to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. They've been sold to die. And so we see her humility here um, in that uh, she says she, she wouldn't be asking for help if they had been just sold as slaves. And that's also, of course, a terrible injustice. But she would have accepted that. If they had been sold into slavery, she wouldn't have come into the presence of the king to ask for their life. She would have, uh, she would have accepted that fate uh, from Haman. But that's not what is being asked. Uh, what's being asked is that uh, all of the Jews would be killed for no reason other than Haman's hatred for them. And we've seen a big change in Esther as this story unfolds. She goes from somebody who's sitting in the palace comfortably, um, not understanding or knowing what's happening to her people, and now she's standing in the presence of the king. She sees what's happening to her people, and she is boldly begging for their life. And she's taking a stand for uh, the Jewish people. Esther's faith in God and her humility are examples for us today in the face of persecution, in the face of hardship. I'm thankful we live in a country where we have the freedom to openly worship the Lord. We're not, we're not facing death for our worship of Christ. 
we, but we cannot deny that there is persecution that seems to be on the rise in our country, uh, ridicule that, uh, gets, uh, that we face as we live for the Lord in this world. As this world gets further and further away from uh, the Lord, we face more persecution for standing up for the Lord in this world. We'll face mockery. We'll face being despised by others as we decide to live for Christ. And I believe, like Esther, though, there are times when we need to learn to hold our tongue, uh, to trust the Lord instead of seeking our own revenge. We saw Esther, she said, if we had been sold for slavery, I'd, I'd held my tongue. Um, we see her humility there and being willing to accept her fate. Uh, the question is, uh, are we like Esther? Are we willing to uh, trust the Lord and accept the hardships that He brings into our life? Are we willing to trust the Lord in those times to allow Him to use those hardships to shape us into the image of Christ, to mold us, to trust Him more, and to know that He's in control? Or uh, when we go through those hardships, do we fight against the Lord? Do we tell the Lord, uh, you don't love me, you're... You're not, uh, you're not really in control, Lord. If you were, everything would be great and dandy. There would be no problems. There would be no hardships. Do we make demands of the Lord? We don't come to the Lord in prayer making demands. We bring our requests. We bring our petitions to the Lord. But we trust His will. We trust uh, His plan for our life. Esther made a lot of preparation. and She had a lot of patience before asking for her request uh, to the king. But at the end of the day, she had to have faith in God. She could have made all of the preparations in the world before coming to the king, but she had no guarantee that the king would answer her request. And so she had to have faith in the Lord. She had to pray and fast and trust in God. And the same is true for us. We have the promises of Scripture, though. Unlike Esther, who had no guarantee of, of, of uh, Ahasuerus' answer, we have the guarantee, we have the promise that God hears our prayers. We have the promise that God loves us. We have the promise that God wants us uh, to come to Him, and he, he cares about our cares, and He works all things together for our good. If we would love Him and live for Him, we have those promises and assurances from the Lord. And so we can trust Him in our life. We can trust God's heart uh, when we cannot see His hand, as they say. When we don't know what God's doing in our life, we can trust the plans He has for us, because we have promises from the Word of God. So we see Esther's request. Number two, we see Haman exposed. Haman exposed in verses 4 through 7. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he, that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Ahasuerus is rightly infuriated about the news uh, that the queen and her people are set to be executed and destroyed and killed. And obviously this has happened under the king's, uh, under the king's watch, under his reign. 
uh, but he doesn't know who's responsible. And so he asks Esther uh, who it is that has presumed in his heart to do this. Who's the man that has planned for the execution of not just the Jewish people, but who's the man that has planned for the execution of my wife? Uh, who is the man who has sought to have my wife put to death? Well, it's none other than Haman. And I can imagine Ahasuerus is in somewhat of a state of shock. This is a man who, uh, he, he likes Haman. He's promoted Haman to be the second in command. He's trusted Haman up to this point. And now he finds out that his right-hand man has sought to have his own wife and her people put to death. Uh, and so he's just so upset by this, and you can, you can just visualize the scene here, that he's so angry he has to walk out of the palace and, and uh, cool down and, and think about what has happened and, and think about what he's going to do about this situation. Uh, not just because this law has passed under his control, but Haman has deceived the king. One of the things that Esther told the king, and I want us to look there in, at the end of verse 4, um, the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Uh, that can be a confusing phrase, uh, but what it means is uh, to countervail means to level, to counterbalance, to equalize. Uh, it's like the old-fashioned scales of justice. You find them at the Supreme Court. You find them in other courthouses those two scales, and it doesn't matter what's on each plate, as long as it's an equal weight, uh, that scale will balance out. And so she says the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Uh, what's the king's damage? The king's damage is that if all of the Jews are wiped out, if all of the Jews are killed, uh, the king would lose out on the tribute money that he was receiving from the Jewish people. When the Persians conquered a people, uh, they would be a part of the kingdom, but they had to pay a tribute to the king in order to remain in that empire to be able to utilize the king's resources for their protection. And if you remember, uh, back in chapter 3, I believe it was, Haman wants this law passed, and he tells the king, I'll pay 10,000 talents of silver if you would let me pass this law uh, to have the Jews put to death. And so on one side of the balance, you have the loss of all of the tribute money that the king would receive from the Jews, and then you have the 10,000 talents that tries to make up for that loss, but it can't do the job. Uh, the enemy would not be able to pay back the loss that the king would receive if this law went forward, if this law uh, continued. And so we see the, the deceitfulness of Haman. He promises 10,000 talents of silver. Oh, it's just a small people. Again, Back in chapter 3, he doesn't say who the people are, just that there's a certain people in your nation uh, that are worshiping another god. And uh, he doesn't mention who it is, though, and the, the true loss that the king would receive. He just wants them put to death. And so Haman has been deceitful. He's, he's not been honest with the king. Uh, and and Hashuerus realizes that, uh, realizes this, and it angers him. Uh, it doesn't sit well with the king, and so he goes outside to cool off because Haman has been exposed for his true intentions. From this, we learn that sin will always be exposed. Deceit will always be exposed. Evil intentions will always be exposed. Uh, wicked devices against us will always be exposed by the Lord. 
when the world has uh, evil that they want to determine against us, God will expose that. He will reveal it for what it is. When uh, we face persecution in this life, God's going to expose that and reveal it for what it truly is. When we have sin in our own life and in our own heart that we try to hide from others, it will be exposed. Our sin will find us out. And so we need to understand that uh, sin is deceptive, whether it's our own sin or the sin that others uh, try to level against us. It can be deceptive. It can be dangerous. It can be deadly. But God sees it. He sees through it. He sees through our sin. He sees our heart. And we need to ask God to show us our heart and show us our sin because it lies to us. And we become deceived by our sin and we need God to expose our sin in our life. The question is, do we ask God to expose the sin that's in our heart? When we sin against the Lord and we're not living for Him, do we ask Him to show us our heart like David? To search our heart, to know our heart. And then do we confess that sin? Do we go to God asking for His forgiveness for our sin? What about the sin that others uh, level against us? Do we ask God to expose that and to take care of it? Or do we seek our own plans, our own ways to deal with that? Or do we trust the Lord and trust that He'll expose it? He'll expose the evil intentions of others, and we can trust Him instead of trusting in our own devices and our own plans. Sin and evil will always be exposed by the Lord. Sin might have its course right now, and sin often does in the temporary, but the Lord uh, wins in the end. Uh, the Lord's will will always be accomplished, and we can trust Him. So we see Haman exposed. Finally, we see Haman hanged. Haman hanged in verses 8 through 10. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the, pa into the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then, and Harbona, one of the king's one of the chamberlains said before the king, Behold also the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. The king comes back inside. He's thought about what has happened. And uh, perhaps he's calmed down a little bit, but he walks in and he sees Haman groveling at the feet of Esther um, on her bed. And we have to understand, we, don't, we shouldn't think about a bed like in our bedroom. In the Persian culture, they didn't eat around a dining table on chairs. They had uh, pillows. They had large, uh, I guess you could compare them to bean bags. Uh, they had large pillows that they would sit on on the floor that were called beds. Each one had their own, and they would lounge often on their side, and maybe they had servants fanning them and feeding them grapes, and they would eat on uh, the bed. Each one had their own, and it was a, a very comfortable uh, eating experience. But uh, he walks in, and he sees Haman uh, on Esther's bed, where she's at, and he's begging for her life. And it makes, uh, it makes Ahasuerus even more furious at Haman, and he has him hanged on the gallows. And again, you can see this in your eyes. As he's speaking it, the guards come in and put a bag over his head and take him away to be hanged on the gallows that he had made. Uh, he's immediately removed and dealt with. His own device of death is used against him. 
God turns around this thing that was meant for evil against Mordecai and uses it uh, against Haman himself. The stone that Haman rolled fell on Haman's head. The pit that Haman dug, he fell into. Um, the box of dynamite that said Acme on the side that Haman had set up blew up in his own face. Uh, and so Haman is caught by his own uh, trap, his own device. You know, that's what our sin does to us. And that's what the sin of others does to them. Sin is like uh, this trap. Sin is uh, deceptive. Uh, Satan, uh, he is called the father of lies, and he tempts us with deceptive sin. He tempts us with these things that, that uh, look good. Again, Satan doesn't tempt us with the ugliness of sin. He doesn't tempt us with sin and say, look how disgusting this sin is. Look at the consequences that this sin is going to bring in your life. Look at all of the trouble that this sin is going to cause. Satan doesn't show us that side of sin. Uh, Satan dresses up sin in a suit and a bow tie. He puts sin on a silver platter. Uh, he dresses up sin in order to deceive us so that we take that sin. And then it, at the last, it bites like a serpent. Uh, as the Bible refers to it, with drunkenness. It, it presents itself as something good. But sin is full of death. Sin is full of shame. Sin is full of misery. It's full of trouble, fear, heartache. Sin brings separation from God and our fellowship with Him. We need to see sin as God sees sin. We need to see sin as destructive. And we need to turn from sin. If you've never been saved, if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, sin is keeping you from eternal life through Christ. Sin is blinding you. Sin is keeping you from receiving eternal life. You need to confess that sin and cry out to the Lord for salvation. And He is faithful uh, to forgive. He, he will save you. Today is the day of salvation. But our sin must be forgiven. Our sin must be cleansed by the blood of Christ and Him alone. But for those of us who are saved, we need to be reminded that sin has no power over us. We don't have to give in to sin. Through Christ, we can overcome sin. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Uh, we can have the abundant Christian life. We don't have to give in uh, to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We can resist the devil and uh, we can look to God and the devil will flee from us. We can... Uh, we don't have to give in to this old man. We've been made a new creature in Christ. We've been delivered from that old man. Uh, but we need to see sin as it is. And we only see that when we are uh, in the Spirit, when we're walking with the Lord, when we're living the Christian life. But we can also be encouraged as believers that God can turn the devices and the wicked imaginations that have been leveled against us, God can turn those around for our own good. And for our own blessing, when this world and those who hate us design evil against us, God can turn that around uh, for our own good and trap those who have sought to trap us. We don't need to seek revenge in our life. We need to trust the Lord. It is He who avenges uh, His children. And we can trust that His will is best for our life. And, uh, and we, don't have to, uh, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid discouraged or defeated. We can know that he's in control. And he can take care of those situations that we don't know what to do with. Haman's sin only brought him to death. And that's what our sin will do. Our sin leads to death. 
uh, sin leads to destruction. This evening, we need to see first our sin. We need to ask God to expose our sin. And then we need to confess that sin and forsake that sin and run from it and have nothing to do with it and realize that sin is a trap that leads to death and destruction in our life. But as we live our life for the Lord and as we strive to live a holy life, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be resistance from Satan. He's going to fight us as we try to live for the Lord. And we need to realize that God knows what's happening. And God can take those devices, those plans, those evil intentions, and He can turn them on, our, on their head for our, for our good if we would trust in Him in those situations. This evening, we serve the same God that Esther did. Uh, we serve the same God who delivered Esther and Mordecai from hanging on a gallows. I don't think any of us face hanging on a gallows this evening. But we serve the same God and we can trust Him in our life. With the evil uh, and the sin in our life, we can trust uh, Him and His hand. And know that He's in control. The question is, do we trust Him? Or do we seek uh, to try to figure things out on our own and trust our own plans? It won't lead to anywhere good. We need to trust the Lord this evening. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening that you've given us. And I thank you for this account and this reminder that we can trust your hand, Lord, in the darkest of times. Uh, Lord, you're there and you're present with us. We have your spirit. We know that you're in control. We know that you know all things. Lord, we know that you work all things together for good to those who love you. We know, uh, Lord, that you have uh, uh, plans for our life, uh, plans to bring us peace prosper us, Lord. I ask that you would help us as we live this life, as we face the hardships, Lord, and as we face the persecution, as we face the trials, as we face our own sin that seems so hard to overcome at times. Lord, I pray that we would learn to trust your hand and trust your will and trust your plan and trust uh, your leading in our life. Lord, I ask that you would just help us this evening to come to you. Lord, if you've spoken to our hearts, I pray that we would come forward, that we would deal with you at the altar that we would look to you in faith for those times in our life, Lord, where we don't know what to do. We can trust your hand and know that you're in control. Lord, if you've spoken to our hearts, I pray that you'd help us to be obedient to you and to deal with you at the altar this evening. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if God has spoken to your heart this evening, I would encourage you to deal with him at the altar.
All right, uh, you may be seated. We'll go ahead and move into our business.